Election College, Episode 196, James Buchanan, Part 1. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Pennsylvania, man, gets a lot of attention because of it being a pretty big state, an original 13 state, right? But there's only been one president who was born in Pennsylvania. That president being James Buchanan. I'm calling foul. There's got to be something. As a Pennsylvanian myself, I'm saying it's rigged that there's only been one. (laughs) It's got to be because, (laughs) I mean, think about all of the, you know, Ben Franklin. He was president, right? Of course, of Pennsylvania. yeah. That's <laughs> and of course everybody knows he you know he was one of the most prolific presidents ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You know, when it comes to talking about James Buchanan, I mean, there's just about every substory that can go with the plot of his life and I hope everybody finds these couple of episodes interesting cuz you hear him typecasted into different roles in which those roles may or may not be true. But for the purposes of this episode, what you need to know is he was born in a log cabin in the 1700s, which he was the last president born in the 1700s. And that alone qualifies you to be president, right? (laughs) Absolutely. He was born uh, in Cove Gap, Pennsylvania, as we kind of alluded to there. And now, of course, if you go looking for it, you won't be able to find it because it's a state park. It's uh, so aptly named. It's really mysterious the way they named it, Jason. They named it Buchanan's Birthplace State Park. So you'd never know what kind of park it is uh, Uh. until you get there. So, yeah, tricky. Uh, His father uh, was a businessman. He was a merchant, did some farming as well. And his mother was, um, she had a lot of education. She was one of very few women at that time that had a lot of education, uh, formal education at least. His parents were both of Scotch-Irish descent, and they've got 11 kids. And James is only one of them, so 10 others beside him. Yeah, so the family moves to Mercersburg, the bustling metropolis of Mercersburg, Pennsylvania, shortly after his birth. And his dad becomes the richest man in town because he is a merchant and he invests in real estate. So if you ever have heard of the James Buchanan Hotel, which we all have heard of that, right? That's their family home. James, Jimmy, whatever you want to call him. He ended up going to the Old Stone Academy, which was, you know, the the small village academy or school there. And ended up then going to Dickinson College a little while later. Uh, He gets in some trouble. He's not very well behaved and uh, gets kicked out once and then ends up pleading his way back in and graduating with honor. So pretty smart guy, just needed a little bit of a kick in the butt, I suppose. And he moves to Lancaster, which at the time was actually the capital of Pennsylvania. 
That's something we haven't discussed before. Ben Franklin being the president in Lancaster. <laughs> the most prominent lawyer, the, the guy who was like the top dog, accepts James Buchanan as a student. And get this, Jason, I know this is going to be really surprising to you, but James Buchanan, someone who will eventually become president, starts out studying law and being admitted to the bar. Isn't that amazing? No way. I'm, That's impossible. It's really unheard of. So the capital of Pennsylvania moves to Harrisburg, but James is like, hey, Lancaster's a nice town. I'm going to stay here. So he hangs around. He's making a lot of money, like $11,000, which is almost $200,000 in today's money. So he's best known in the 1820s as the lawyer who took on the case of Judge Walter Franklin. He was a Pennsylvania judge who was being impeached, and Buchanan defends him successfully. Now, prior to that, he was already a politician. He served in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. He was a Federalist Party member. But what you need to know about that time is the legislature is only in business for three months a year. So pretty much being a legislator meant that you're going to get props in whatever profession you're involved in. So that does help him considerably in his law practice. Aren't there quite a few states now that, that, that are still only in session a few months of the year? Yeah, I think there are. And when you consider original intent, which I guess, mm -hmm. can we get a little political here? Yeah, let's <laughs> I do think that. Original intent was the states pretty much tell the federal government what they should do. Uh -huh. And the states were more powerful than the federal government. Depending on your persuasion, that could be a good or a bad thing, but it kind of shows the role of government in everyday life back then. It wasn't too heavy-handed. I may be speaking out of turn here, or incorrectly, I guess I should say, but I think, uh, I mean, I'm, Pennsylvania for sure is year-round, but I think there are only a couple others that are year-round. Uh, most others are, yeah, only partial, partial years. So what is it, Pennsylvania... Our legislators here, what is it we have so important to do that we can't take a break? Come on. Anyway. It's a big state. <laughs> <laughs> Back on to James Buchanan. He, as Jason said, is in the House of Representatives. And he is for, well, a lot of things that Federalists are for. He thinks that internal improvements to the state should be federally funded and to the country should be federally funded, obviously. Uh, he's in favor of high taxes. He's in favor of a national bank, and he really hates James Madison. So pretty much all those things uh, make him a pretty good Federalist, I guess you could say. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're in the 18-teens right now, and we all know what happens in the War of 1812. That is, if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time. But the British are invading Maryland in 1814, and he enlists as a private in the Pennsylvania militia. So he serves in the defense of Baltimore and get this. He did all the presidential things, Ben, right? Like the log cabin. Mm -hmm. He was a Freemason, mm -hmm. but he didn't serve as an officer. So he goes down in history as the only president who served in the military who wasn't an officer. We all know what happens to the Federalist Party, right? In a few years here, it's going to totally collapse, and it doesn't exist anymore. So 
Buchanan decides in 1820 that he should run for the United States House of Representatives, but not just as a Federalist, as a Republican Federalist, which, well, that's just semantics, probably. Anyway, he becomes a big supporter of our buddy Andy Jack, and he really starts believing in states' rights, and he becomes kind of a poster boy, I guess you could say, to organize people and get them into the Democratic Party. And after Andy Jack gets reelected in 1832, he actually offers James Buchanan the position of United States ambassador to Russia. And so, you know, James is kind of not really a huge fan of the idea of leaving the country, but eventually he decides, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. That's fine. And he goes to Russia for 18 months, learns some French and helps, you know, negotiate a bunch of different treaties and stuff. Yeah, so he gets back from Russia. Now, keep in mind, he didn't really want to go to Russia, but if the president says, hey, go to Russia, <laughs> you're probably going to go. <laughs> and he he gets back, and he serves uh, in the state legislature again, and he comes out as being a solid follower of Andy Jack still. He opposes the rechartering of the Second Bank of the U.S., and he tries to clear Jackson's name in a congressional censure from the bank war. So if you remember that the Congress was very much for the National Bank, Andy Jack was like, no way. So what do you do? You censure him. Which, Ben, we could probably do an episode on censure, what that really means and what it doesn't mean. But yeah. Anyway, so interestingly enough, while serving in the House, Buchanan opposes the gag rule and this is a bit different than those people especially southerners who were in favor of the gag rule uh he was not interested in allegedly anything more than having states being able to determine their own course when it came to the issue of slavery but he said quote we have just as little right to interfere with slavery in the south as we have to touch the right of petition. So like a lot of Northern Democrats, he's saying, yeah, slavery, probably not a good idea, but it's a state's rights issue. So we'll leave it at that. So President Polk offers James Buchanan the position of Secretary of State in the Polk administration. And we all know what happens when you get to be Secretary of State. You get to be president, right? Everybody that's ever been Secretary of State, obviously. <laughs> no, maybe not everybody, Everyone. but uh, for a long time, there there was a pretty good trend of that. Now, Buchanan kind of considers at that point that he may be able to, to serve on the Supreme Court, but instead he decides to become the Secretary of State, and he's kind of his right man, right-hand man throughout his first and only term. Yeah, and if you remember what happened during the Polk administration, I mean— this Mexican-American war, pretty big deal. And Buchanan is telling Polk, hey, don't take the area that's south of the Rio Grande and don't take New Mexico. But as the U.S. is just destroying the Mexican army, um, Buchanan's like, well, maybe we should take that territory. Why not? And Polk is very annoyed with his secretary of state. He suspects that Buchanan was only concerned about becoming president 
and not doing what was best. And uh, well, guess what? That turned out to be true. Because <laughs> in 1848, Buchanan's like, hey, I really want the nomination for the Democratic Party. Yeah, you can't tell anybody because this is still the era of class, but you can want it, and that's okay. <laughs> well, he didn't end up getting it. Lewis Cass ended up getting it, and well, we've never had a pre- president cast, so it didn't work out for him either, but we'll get to there in a minute. Buchanan ends up, after Polk is out of office, going back to basically being a private citizen for a while, and he goes back to Lancaster and buys a home and all that kind of stuff, and he's still politically involved, but he doesn't have an actual political office. He gets, you know, he's the president of the board of trustees of Franklin and Marshall College, and that takes up quite a bit of his time. In addition to continuing the campaign for the Democratic presidential nomination uh, in eight, in 1852, so he's still interested in being politically involved. He just doesn't have a really good opportunity that looks great to him. A lot of people start to consider him um, a too big of a sympathizer towards the South. And uh, uh, this is a funny term, and Jason likes this term a lot. Uh, he becomes known as a doe face, which basically means that you're a politician who can't really um, make up your mind. You can be too easily molded. You can be tossed around, etc. cetera. Uh, it's not a nice term to call somebody. Yeah, if I was up on my graphic design skills enough, the meme that we would create for this episode would be like the Pillsbury boy with <laughs> James Buchanan's face on him or something. Hey, if we have any designers out there who would love to take a crack at it, I would love to see it. But anyway, Buchanan is offered the vice presidential nomination for the Democratic Party in 1852. He declines, and instead, his buddy who may have been closer than a buddy, William Rufus King, decides, yeah, I think I'd like to become vice president. So Pierce wins the election, and Buchanan sets sail for the United Kingdom, where he becomes the ambassador to the UK. So, you know, he's there in England, in the United Kingdom, and during this time, there's a lot of tension, obviously, happening. We're in the 1850s. Come on, there's got to be tension in the U.S. The Kansas-Nebraska Act is kind of causing quite an uproar. And Buchanan's like, you know what would be a really good idea right now where there's all this stuff happening? Maybe, just maybe, if I became the president. And so he kind of subvertly goes about trying to get the nomination again at the 1856 Democratic National Convention. And that's where we'll pick it up on the next episode of Election College. Yeah. So weird about Buchanan. Just before we get into the next episode, Ben, Mm -hmm. just thinking about all of the things Pennsylvania stood for with being against slavery. Yeah. And then you got James Buchanan, Doeface. (laughs) That sounds like it. I had to call him that before the end of this episode. We'll, We'll rag on him a little bit more. Well, I, I just feel like it should be like a, a Spider-Man villain or something. Doughface. It just seems like it. <laughs> it just seems like a really, you know, lame yet powerful insult. So, anyway, yeah. yeah. Hey, somebody on Twitter this week, call somebody a doughface. <laughs> See where that gets you. Yeah, 
But don't do no, it meanly. Don't, like, don't do that. Make sure make sure they know it's a joke. But yeah, yeah. just be like, "Hey, doe face." Yeah, Jason, <laughs> you just did the worst. Like you just encouraged someone to mock people on Twitter, which is like the bane of society's existence right now. Come on. I think that I think that it's totally cool. You know, just don't call me a doe face because I'll cry. Yeah, if you called me a doe face, I would be more upset because I th- I would think you were calling me fat. Then I uh, think you were calling me, you know, the, the correct usage. So, no. Hey, never. We really appreciate all you dough faces out there. <laughs> and we would love it if you would go to iTunes and leave us a review. You can head over to electioncollege.com slash review. Leave us a review. Look, we know how many people listen to this show. And we also know how many reviews there are. And they are nowhere near the same. So some of you are not pulling your weight. Head on over to electioncollege.com slash review and leave us a review so everybody can know how great we are yeah don't be a doe face and of course we're on more than just twitter we're on facebook and instagram at election college and for those of you who are the least doe face among us consider supporting the podcast for as little as 11 cents an episode that's right you can support election college at patreon Go to electioncollege.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, where you can donate at least a dollar a month to help us support the hosting and all the other fees that go along with running a podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.